made the count. And here's the challenging truth that I want to talk about for a few minutes today. If you want to count in the lives of other people, you have to be separate from them. If you want to add deep value and truly influence and impact and serve the lives of other people, I, I cannot live on the basis of my need for them to approve of me all the time. Because we live, among other things, in a sea of anxiety. And we must find our security and safety and courage in God alone and in a stronger foundation. So, my text for today is uh, the old King James Version was, Come out and be ye separate. I want to talk to you today about being separate, being a separate person. I used to think that meant don't hang out with pagan people that smoke cigarettes or you'll become like them. And that can lead to a kind of a smug, self-righteous, exclusionary attitude. It's important if there are people who drag me down in terms of habits or attitudes to set careful boundaries. But the kind of separateness I'm talking about goes much deeper. We've talked before, you might remember if you've listened to many of these, about how there's a pattern that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis that begins with chaos, and then God separates the light from the darkness. And the, dry lands from the seas and the sky from the earth, and then God joins together, and then there can be shalom. Chaos, separation, joining together, and shalom. But the separation must take place. If it does, I was at a wedding not too long ago, and the pastor had this beautiful uh, depiction of that process. When, when uh, day and night are made separate, then when they're brought together, you have sunrise or sunset. That's amazing. When the sky and the earth are separated, that's good. And then they're brought together and you have a horizon, possibility, potential. That's a beautiful thing. When the dry land and the, and the waters are separated from each other, that's good. And then when they're brought together, there's the shore, there's the beach. The man and the woman are separated from each other and then they are brought together. And that's quite a remarkable thing. But it depends on separateness. There's a book by... Um, Edwin Friedman called A Failure of Nerve, and it is a fabulous book. He's a remarkable guy. He was a um, rabbi, pulpit rabbi for many, many years, and a consultant and a clinician, worked with lots of churches and government agencies. And he says there is a great problem when it comes to leadership in the best sense, um, but it's not primarily a failure of IQ or technique or knowledge. It's a failure of nerve. And it's a failure of human beings at all levels because we're all made to exercise dominion and have impact. It's a failure for us to be truly separate because only when we're genuinely separate, when I am receiving identity and love and security from God, then I am actually healthy enough to be able to connect with others. He has a line in the book where he talks about when he sees couples. Eventually, I came to define my marriage counseling, no matter what the cultural mix, as trying to help people separate so they would not have to separate. And now he says this is needed for parents. So if you are a parent or you have a parent, you might think about this. There seem to be three universal laws regarding the children of all families that transcend their cultural and sociological char characteristics. Number one, the children who work through the natural problems of maturing with the least amount of emotional or physical residue are those whose parents have made them least important to their own salvation. In other words, parents who live with a needy, anxious dependence on their kids turning out a certain way do not help their children. 
Friedman says, maturity is defined as the willingness to take responsibility for one's own emotional being and destiny. And then he says, children rarely succeed at rising above the maturity level of their parents. And this principle applies to all mentoring, healing, and administrative relationships. That's a little scary. Third, parents cannot produce change in a troubling child no matter how caring, savvy, or intelligent they may be, until they become completely and totally fed up with their child's behavior. And I say that with great love, and as somebody who was a child before I was a parent, that to lean in when there is something wrong in a situation or a relationship, to lean in rather than to avoid, placate, appease, try to smooth over, is the only way forward. Now, Friedman goes on, this is so fascinating, to talk about what he refers to as the well-differentiated leader. He says, I want to stress by well-differentiated, come up and be you separate. I don't mean an autocrat who tells others what to do or orders others around. Although any leader who defines him or herself clearly may be perceived that way by those who are not taking responsibility for their own emotional well-being and destiny. Rather, I mean, okay, this is a separate person or a, a well-differentiated person. Someone who has clarity about his or her own life goals. Is that me? And therefore, someone who is less likely to become lost in the anxious emotional processes swirling about. We live in an ocean of anxiety. I mean someone who can be separate while still remaining connected. See the echoes of Genesis there. And therefore, can maintain a modifying, non-anxious, and sometimes challenging presence. I mean someone who can manage his or her own reactivity to the automatic reactivity of others. And therefore, be able to take stands at the risk of displeasing. It is not as though some leaders can do this and some cannot. No one does this easily. And most leaders, I have learned, can improve their capacity. And what I want to suggest to you is that there is one leader, one human being, who exemplifies this over all others. And you will not be surprised to discover that his name is Jesus. And we see this remarkable capacity for being separate, coming out of the chaos, having clarity about his identity and his mission, and yet with that, the capacity to remain connected. In the very first instance we read about him when he's only 12 years old, and his parents go to Jerusalem, and he stays behind at the temple to begin to follow his calling. And his parents are quite concerned about this. They can't find him for three days. His mother comes back and says, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Not just searching, anxiously. And this is what happens in a sea of anxiety. Other people try to get us to take responsibility for their anxiety and collude with them about it. Jesus' response is so amazing. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house or about my father's business or on my mission? They did not yet understand what he was saying to them. But then it says, he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And so we see in him this remarkable capacity to be separate 
and yet at the same time to remain connected. Just a few other real quick examples. Um, his ministry uh, begins in Luke chapter 4. He preaches a sermon, talks about how God loves everybody, including non-Israelites here. And when the people hear this, they drive him out of town and they want to throw him off a cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Love them, preach for them. When they got all upset about it, didn't cause him to question his identity or his mission. He just went on his way. Um, later on, he preaches someplace and we're told at daybreak the next day, he went out to a solitary place. People who were looking for him, when they found where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to other towns also, because that's why I was sent. Thank you, but I cannot stay. He said, he was quite comfortable saying no. In the very next chapter, he heals a man with leprosy and news spreads about him all uh, over the place. So crowds were coming to him. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mention one other occasion in John chapter 6, uh, Jesus uh, feeds the crowd of 5,000. And when he's done, um, the people intend to come and make him king by force. Now, that might seem like kind of a cool opportunity. Everybody saying, we want you to be a king and we're willing to die for you. But Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Constantly, Jesus goes back and forth between separating to be reminded again of his identity and status and mission with his father and then plunges back into people to be with him. So today, take a moment before you plunge back into the world to separate yourself. You do not have to please anybody. You don't have to placate anybody. You don't have to carry the burden of the anxiety of any other person. And at the same time, you are called, I am called to connect deeply, to notice, to care, to love, to serve, to try to help. So this is not the separateness of apathy or lack of love. This is the separateness that allows me to connect with God so that then I can be truly helpful to others. Take a few moments, come out, be separate, and then enter with freedom and love and joy into your identity and mission. Make today count. See you next time. Thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me. If you'd like to receive the daily emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me at gmail.com. Or if you want prayer, you can text us at 855-888-0444.